You are listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. Awaken Church is a diverse community of authentic love and hope where you can belong as you change and change as you follow Jesus. for reading the scripture this morning. I appreciate you being here. Um, most people know Lexi was involved in the homecoming uh, festivities in a major way uh, at Northwestern State University uh, all week, but especially yesterday, the homecoming game. So I appreciate you making the effort to get up early after all that and being here this morning to worship and read the scripture. Also, real shout out to Kevin, because I know we live in a hunting culture and people love to like men especially, not just men, but men especially will miss church all through hunting season because it's on Sunday morning and you know you only got you work mostly through the week, so you only got a little bit of time to hunt. And Kevin already went out hunting. He said, I'm gonna get up early, I'm gonna do my hunting, then I'm gonna go to church. That's what he does. And so I appreciate you too, Kevin, uh, making that effort to go ahead and be here this morning. Um, I always tell people, if, if you skip church to go hunting, and if you kill anything, you owe a tenth of your uh, take, of your, of your meat to the pastor, mm-hmm. right? And so let's make it a 20th because Quentin's a vegetarian, so I'll take his tenth too. So we'll just take that. So I was thinking a little bit about, as we enter into the day, kind of continuing this series that we're in, and kind of the day with that focus on, with money, uh, the scripture from Luke 16, we're going to dig into a little bit deeper 
the Lexi Red is kind of like uh, it's kind of deals with finances and money. And I was thinking back in the day, uh, like what what, what my uh, uh, voicemail, my outgoing voicemail on my phone sounded like. Because I know most people dates don't even bother because you get you just get texts. You don't even bother leaving. Hey, this is this is uh, John, and you leave a message after the beep. But back then, you know, a few years ago, we all had an outgoing voicemail message. And before I was married, I was like probably 20 years old. And I would think my voicemail message would sound something like this. This isn't exactly to be like you know beep. Hi, this is Steve. Sorry, I can't answer the phone right now. Please leave a message after the beep. By the way, if you're the phone company, I already sent the money. If you're my parents, please send me some more money. If you're my financial aid office, you need to give me some more money. You didn't give me enough. And if you're one of my friends, I need that money that you owe me. And if you're a girl, don't worry, I got plenty of money. And then, if, you know, leave a message after the beep, beep. And I was like, you know, that's kind of how I would play it back in the day, uh, you know, when it comes to that thing. But what are some thoughts that people have today towards money? You guys help me out, the guys that are in the room. Um, what are some what are some thoughts that people have or feelings that people have about money in our culture? Okay, I never have enough. I need some more money. It was like a wrestling group that had that. That was their thing. More money, more money. I mean, if, you know, was, it, was that crime time? Probably yeah, like that. I don't know. What, what are some other? I need. I don't have enough. There's never enough. I need more. What are some other thoughts? Maybe people have about money in our culture today. So people might say, "More money, more problems." Okay, more money, more problems. Yeah, right. That could that could be that could be a reality. Now, if you don't, if you've never experienced what that means, you're like, "That's ridiculous." I, that, that makes no sense. But if you know what that, if you've experienced that, you're like, "Okay." Yeah, I, I'm with you there. Anything else? Any other thoughts maybe that people have in our culture about when it comes to money? I think we hit like the high stuff, the high points of, of where a lot of people are today. So we're going to keep going in this series today, Monster Inside, uh, because sometimes it seems like we have this monster inside, and uh, it's like it, 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 it's like it just comes up. It's never satisfied. It always wants more. It comes like that money thing. Like there's this thing inside of us that wants more. And when it comes to money and finances, a lot of times that's a big part of it. Um, I think about you know something that we would say, and and my, me and Shelly and our family is like money. I think I remember that. I mean, I think that's that stuff we had before we had kids. I mean, that's kind of like one reality check when it comes to finances. Once you start having kids, you have you start having less money to spend. Uh, it's on yourself anyway. So, so, so the money monster is kind of what we're looking at today. As we get a little bit deeper in Luke 16, we're going to dive in and, and uh, kind of look at the story that Jesus told. Because if you're really paying attention, it's kind of a strange story that, Je- that like Jesus told this story about this. It's called the shrewd manager, and it's almost like well, he actually was ripping ripping off his boss over and over again. So, so we're going to dig deeper into that and see really what we have to take from it. But here's the big idea: sharing the love of Jesus with others means that what flows to you then flows through you. So being a follower of Christ means our, our mission is sharing the love of Christ with everybody. And sharing the love of Jesus with others means that what flows to you then flows through you. So I'm going to start with this, uh, this first thought, or this first idea. Spending and saving are both addictive. Spending and saving are both Addictive. Now, to get us kind of thinking along that, those lines, and a couple of folks stepped out of the room, they're going to miss the thing I told them. But uh, you should have a bag of chips. If you don't, hey, there's, a, there's some bags of chips right back there. Grab you one real quick if you didn't get one yet. So grab one. There's a, they're in the back, back seat. We'll wait for you. 
Have your, your bag of chips. All right, we got chips here. If you're if you're playing along at home, you know, sorry, you're not here. I don't have I don't have chips for you. You may have chips in your cupboard, but they ain't free. These are these are the ones I provided for the folks that are here in the house today. Um, so take your bag of chips and open it. Just go ahead and open it real quick. Open it carefully. Because one of the things that they do is they clean the theater before we come in. So try not to spill your chips or anything. Hey, you guys that just came back in, grab your bag your bag of chips. I already got you a bag up here, brother. Hey, man. Hey, hey. <laughs> there you go. Band people. <laughs> so open up that bag. Take out one chip. Just one chip. Do not eat it. No, no. Go ahead. Eat that one chip. Savor that flavor. That's pretty good. Now, put that bag away. <laughs> I heard I heard the noise. Oh, how am I going to do that, right? Because chips are addictive. Hey, grab you a bag of chips right there. Everybody just ate one chip and then put the bag away. So, uh, you know what? They're so addictive. Look, I'm, I'm sitting here now going, why did I have to put the bag down? Because I want to eat the rest of those, right? That's the way it is with money. Spending and saving are like that. If, you are, if you're a spender and, you get it, and there's addiction to it and you would want more than just one, if you're a saver, it's the same thing, just the, uh, the opposite way. Like you can't just save enough. So we're going to dig a little bit deeper into that. You can eat the rest of your chips. Just please don't leave your trash because they have already cleaned in here for this morning. So go ahead and eat your chips while we discuss. It's fine. It's okay today. <laughs> it's okay. So while you're doing that, would you say, it, like, who here is, like, more of a spender? All right, there's, there's a few of us. Uh, Almost everybody, almost in a small group in the house this morning, almost everybody. Who would say, okay, I'm more, more of a saver? Okay, none of us in the house. Usually you'd find, in a, in a normal group, we're, not, we're, we're beyond normal here. We're, we're super normal, Amen. supernatural. Um, they do, you'd find it kind of half and half. Uh, but spenders and savers are kind of where we, we're at. And there's always little you know, places in between. Some are kind of halfway. But most of the time, we're, we're mostly one or the other. So when it comes to money, there's just really these two categories, spenders and savers. And when it comes to relationships, usually usually opposites attract. And usually in your relationship, that's why we got we talked last week a lot about relationships. One of the big issues in marriages is finances. And the reason is is because a saver has married a spender and there's not good communication. You got to work the communication is the key in this thing. And understanding I'm a saver, she's a spender, or, or vice versa, and, and you got to come to a conclusion, hey, we're going to work through this, because it can cause all kind of chaos when we don't address it. So spending and saving are both addictive. Now, spenders, they have, they, you know, we, we have this money, and we want to spend it on something. And when we get that, that thing, probably something new, then we're satisfied for a little while, but then the new wears off, and we got to spend it. We got to spend some more, right? So it's not like we don't ever get satisfied, but we get satisfied for a short time, and we want to spend more, more. Like I got to get that new upgrade as soon as it comes out. I got some friends like that. iPhone, their i everything. There's a new i something. They're like, that's I get to do. I'm like, 
I'm like six years behind you, bro. <laughs> She's like, every time something new comes out, grabbing that. Now, saving can be addictive, too. Um, savers, we, we think that we're being frugal by cutting every coupon, saving every, cutting every corner, taking the cheapest route on everything, doing everything the cheapest way possible. And some of us, like, if you're a saver, you're like, okay, absolutely. That's being frugal. That's, that's good. But then it's like the problem becomes when you are saving how much is enough? I mean, you keep saving, like, for a rainy day, and the spenders over here going, it's raining every day. Amen. <laughs> and the savers are going, it hadn't, it's not raining enough yet. And so we find ourselves both in this place of being addictive. Now, here's the thing about this. Both spending and saving spawn greedy people. Greedy to spend more. Greedy to have more so you can spend or greedy to have more that you can save. So both spending and saving spawn greedy people. And we typically find it's, it's easy to see the greed in others, but greed is harder to see in the mirror. Because we look in the mirror and I'm like, I'm not rich. I'm more needy than greedy. I mean, that's really how I, I live. Literally. I mean, I'm, I'm okay. You know, my, everybody here's been in my house. You know, we're not, we're not po' folks. But, but I still, uh, but I sure ain't rich. Man, I'm more needy than greedy. And, but that's because we see ourselves the way we want to be. Like, I want to be a good steward. I think we would all, if we understand that, that phrase, good steward, it's kind of a churchy phrase for the most part. But it means, it means you know, doing your best, doing the right thing with your resources to be a good steward of what you have. And it's like, oh, yeah, I want to be that. So when we look in the mirror, we see what we want to be. We, I want to be a good, good steward. But we see others based on who they are. We just see, we just straight up see when somebody else is greedy, but it's harder to see in ourselves because we see really who we want to be instead of really who we are. So the question becomes, am I greedy? How do I know if I'm greedy? And for followers of Jesus, this is a critical question but to, for us to ask ourselves because there's nothing that has the potential to interfere with your spiritual health more than your attitude about money. Because Jesus talks about it so much, and I get it. In a church, like, like there's, there's a whole group of people out there that are like, I don't go to church because all they talk about is money. All they want is money. And, um, and, I, and I get the opposite. I got some, some folks saying, you need to mention the offering more. I mean, you don't do it every week at Awaken. I'm like, I know. I mean, I, it's kind of on purpose. Also, kind of not where our focus is. I mean, we, yes, it's, it's a part of being a follower of Jesus, with your finances, but it's not the focus of, of everything we're doing here. Uh, but it is true that there's nothing that has the potential to interfere with your spiritual health more than your attitude about money. That's, because, that's why Jesus spent so much time talking about it. Jesus tells a story about the shrewd business manager to help us get the focus on what matters most, that which is eternal. And he's like, here's, here's why I'm telling you the story. I want you to get your focus on things that are eternal. Because whether you're a spender or a saver, both are addictive and have potential to create a greedy person, a money monster inside. So what can we do about it? Well, we do exactly what Jesus said. Use your resources to benefit others. Yeah, you take care of yourself. Take, pay your bills and everything. But, but he said, here's how you know you're not greedy. If you will use your resources to benefit others. I want to show you guys a, a photo of... Uh, person who's meant a lot to me. See this older gentleman right there in the picture? Okay, his name's Linville Arrington. He passed away a number of years ago at 102 years old. This picture was taken when he was about 100, 90, either 99 or 100. Now, Linville Arrington was a retired pastor, tremendous storyteller, songwriter. He wrote some really awesome gospel songs and some really like folk songs. 
fantastic songwriter, um, wonderful, wonderful man of God, retired pastor. Um, and I had the, the honor of being his pastor for the last probably six years of his life. It just kind of blew my mind. Every time he called me pastor, I was like, <laughs> that ain't right. How in the world is Brother Linville Arrington, who we yet to know as Grandpa Quarter. And the reason he got to be known as Grandpa Quarter, because here's this man in his 90s. He's been doing this for a long time. But he always had quarters in his pocket. And he would give all the kids quarters. And you can see all these kids around him. And I want to point out three kids to you. If you look right here in the front, this little toddler guy, that's Jericho. And the little baby in his hands, that's Niall. And see the kid back there with the big goofy grin and the poofy hair? That's Chris <laughs> right back there. He's not quite six foot thousand like he is now in that picture. But, but that's him. This is, a, this is a few years ago, right? And so Grandpa Quarter would always have quarters in his pocket to give to the kids. Now, one thing he would do, he would do it every, every time he was at church. He had quarters. And he'd give a kid, every kid that came by, he'd give him a quarter. And if they didn't come by, he'd go seek them out. Say, hey, come here, come here. Give him a quarter, Grandpa Quarter. But he could come to our food pantry day, uh, when we had food pantry day, and he would sit. And he had two jobs. His first job was, is anybody coming through here need prayer? And I will sit here. I will pray for you right here. And it was, it was really cool. I mean, here's this saint of a, of a man who would say he would say a prayer for you as you came through the food pantry line and he's sitting there and then the other job he had was he's handing quarters to all the kids if anybody came with their kids now i remember several times people would come through folks in their 20s maybe even in their early 30s and they'd come through with their kids and he'd give quarters to the kids and he'd give one to the mom and she'd say but i'm not a kid and he's like i'm a hundred years old everybody's a kid to me i mean everybody's a young person to me i'm a hundred take this quarter i want to bless you he was somebody who got it and who who is an example to me and now hopefully to you that if you use your resources to benefit others it will do something about that money monster so the question becomes how could you use what god has given you to benefit others so Jesus told this story, it's somewhat disturbing, We yeah, about a manager who knew he was about to be fired because he's wasting his boss's money, which takes us back to this other parable Jesus told us, and actually it's just a chapter over in this progression, Luke 15, of a son who wasted his father's money. The word's prodigal, it literally means wasted. And this guy was, he worked for, he wasn't the father, but he worked for an employer and he was prodigal about his job. He was wasteful here. And so the manager, uh, the manager went to his debtors of, his, of the boss and he said, basically I'm going to give you half price and in one case 20% off. I'll give you half price, 20% off. He's like cutting them deals everywhere. And as he's cutting them these deals, depending on their product, I'm wondering why isn't he over my student loans? That's what I wonder. <laughs> but, but this put him like in the good graces with, with everybody so that when he lost his income, he would have people to help him. That was his idea. If, if I get them a really good deal, they will be willing to help me when I'm without, when I'm in need of a job or when I'm in need of a hand, a helping hand or, like he said, a place to sleep. Now, a strange twist on the story that Jesus gives is that the employer respected the dishonest manager's actions. He's, it's, Jesus said he had to had to respect him. He had to, he had to respect how shrewd he was. So while the master applauds this manager's quick thinking, the manager's still dishonest, still wasteful. As we see at the very first verse, he says, Jesus told this story. There was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. One day, a report came to the manager. The manager was wasting his employer's money. He's wasteful with this. So 
basically, we need to understand Jesus is not advocating stealing, and he's not advocating uh, being wasteful. He's teaching this lesson about this manager and what this manager's thinking about his future. And he's like, you need to think about your future. How you handle money today makes a difference in the future. This is where he's getting to this point. How you handle the things you have today in this earth make a difference in how you handle things that are to come. Now, maybe we could say Jesus is, is making a good lesson out of a bad example. Because I read this and I go, it's still one that's confusing to me. This whole why Jesus t- told this story. The guy's wasteful and he... He did some underhanded stuff, and then the manager was like, hey, man, that's shrewd. But he goes on to say, hey, but the children of the world are more shrewd in these matters than the children of the light. He like makes a distinction, a clear distinction about which where we should be here. He says you're going to choose, you have to make these choices. And he's talking about, he's speaking with kingdom language to people who are listening about the kingdom of God. And he's talking about the responsibility in this life and in the next. So you're going to end up being about God or about money. He says, that's it. That's kind of bottom line. You're going to end up being about God or you're going to end up being about money. Now, here's the good news about all that. Here's the great thing. You get to choose. You get to choose. You, you don't have a God who is like forcing his hand, like you have to do this and this and this and this. You have a God who's going, hey, I want, I've got life for you. And if you come with me, you'll, you'll get this life. Yeah, it's full of ups and downs and curbs and, and sand pits and all in mountaintop experiences and highs and lows. It's full of all that, but, it's, but it will be life and it will be perfect for you. You can choose to go your own way. And that's, that's awesome. But when you go your own way, you, 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 get, you get where you end up. <laughs> And you get to choose. Man, I created this path for you. And you choose to come this way. And I promise you, you'll be blessed. So money takes money makes a terrible master, but it's a, it's a great tool. And that's what I pray that we would begin to see money as not something that has us, but something that we have, that we can use. So Jesus goes on, verse 10. If you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. The principle here is that a way a person handles little will reflect on how they handle much. If you're faithful with the little things, like material wealth and possessions, or a small church plant group, then you'll be faithful with greater things like spiritual truth and the kingdom of God's love. This message is about our finances, about the, the money monster, but it's also about the monster inside that like we've been talking about all along, especially when it comes to us awakening church because the folks in the house this morning are all a core group, family. Like we, this is, we are awakening church. It's not Steve's thing. It's our thing. And here's what he's saying to all of us. Hey, be faithful with this season, and there will be greater things to come. But be faithful with, in this season with what I've given you here and now. So, in, and Jesus goes on uh, with this principle about uh, this being responsible. He said, the principle uh, of this is how you handle little things is how you'll handle much. And this is like, this is about God's kingdom of love. And if we look back at the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' famous sermon, he's like, he kind of backs it up. Matthew 6, 19, he says, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there your desire of your heart will be. 
and say, make the kingdom of God your focus, even in what you do now. So if you're unfaithful with material things, which will all be gone one day, God will entrust you with eternal things, which will always be. And God wants more than anything to entrust you with the eternal things of the kingdom. Treasures on this earth, the money monster, they're easily corrupted, whether we're spending or saving. So how do I live in such a way that I'm storing up in this present moment, in this present day, treasures in heaven? How am I doing that? Well, it's all about the way of Jesus. And the way of Jesus is radical generosity. The way of Jesus is radical generosity. The way how most, most of our culture looks at money is 100% of the money that comes to me, it's all about me. I mean, it's all about my, it's mine. You know, it's, it's all about, yeah, it's, it's bills. And there's other people that, that get some, but it's my bills, my hobbies, my family, my education, my future, my kids. There's even folks who are like funding their kids' college, but it's, but it's their kids. It's like my kids college education so it's still my my 100% comes to me it's about what comes flows to me and traditionally Christians have a slightly take, different take on this because most of us have heard the term tithe right tithe is an old English term in current in modern English the word is tenth so that's what a tithe is tenth it's the same it's just old English was a different term and we know it's like what 90% of what flows to us is ours my bills my family my hobbies my and 10% flows not just to me, but through me. That 10% or tithe flows through me to others through the church. Now, in Jesus' day, that was the understanding of the Hebrew people, the Israelites and the Jews. They, that was their culture. Jesus affirmed that. He says several times when he's asked about it, yes, tithe. But he goes on and says, do not neglect the things that are most important, which is radical generosity. He's like, just because you tithe doesn't mean you're in the kingdom. He's like, you need to realize that God provides everything for you. So what does it look like? So the way of Jesus is radical generosity. And what does it look like? What, what, are, you, what are you giving beyond yourself? That's the question. Uh, what is flowing through your hands into the hands of other people? It's another way to think about it. What's flowing through you to others with you know, no strings attached? Jesus wraps up the story. It's a very clear message. You cannot serve two masters. You'll hate one, love the other. You'll be devoted to one, despise the other. You cannot serve both God and be enslaved to money. He's like, it's very clear. If you're, he's like, if you're mad at me about money, it's because you're serving, you know, it's obvious which one you're serving. So as followers of Jesus, we have to put God before everything else. That's, that's where we are. That's where we come to on this journey. We begin to like, it, it's a journey of continually, God, you've got to come before this. God, you come before this. And one thing that complete that anything that complete, competes for your attention has the, the ability to be an idol. But the one thing that competes more than anything for your attention, turns out it's, it's money. Money. Your motivation, your attention, your worship. Anything that, that, that replaces God becomes an idol. And money is probably our biggest potential idol. So if money or possessions or whatever, whatever resources you have is the driving force of your life, it'll crowd God out. I've experienced that firsthand. It, it will tend to crowd God out of your life along with his priorities and his plan for your life. If you're crowding God out of your life, you're crowding, you're, you're crowding his plan for your life out of your life. On the other hand, loving God wholeheartedly will lead you to not just make 
money as a, as a top priority of your life. You have to make money. I mean, that's, that's the reality of being human, <laughs> of being an American. But it's not the top priority of your life if you are seeking to make God the top priority of your life. Your resources should serve as you direct, not the other way around. If your money has got you, it will, show you, it will determine where you direct it. But if you have your money, you will be able to use it as a tool. So here's a, here's a truth, I believe is a truth. I hold it as one for myself. Um, and it's a difficult one, to be honest, but it causes debates and arguments and people pass judgment uh, on, on the people of God because of those who hold this as truth. But does not change the fact that I see it's true? How you handle your resources reveals your depth of your commitment to Jesus. And it's not my job to look at that. It's not, not your job to look at each other's. It's I, each of our jobs to look at our own. How am I handling mine? I'm not worried about anybody else in this, guys. I mean, obviously, we're a church is trying to get started. We have financial things that we don't really we don't discuss much. I keep all of that away from the general discussion. But as I'm doing that, you know, I'm praying, you know, God provide, and He does. It's it's amazing the way He does that. How you handle your resources reveals the depth of your commitment to Jesus. And I've come to see that, that people that get mad about this, <laughs> I mean, it just hits too close to home. The folks that say, the church is all about money, it's because when they say something about money, it just hits too close to home and steps on, on the toes uh, of where they are. Don't get mad at me. Get mad at Jesus. He's the subject, and these are his words anyway. I'm quoting him. You cannot serve both God and money. I'm just quoting him. And he's okay if you get mad at him. Jesus, I'm okay if you get mad at me too, because I'm just quoting Jesus. Jesus doesn't limit the giving to the tithe. Jesus teaches radical generosity. And here's what it, here's what it, what it looks like. Greed flows to you, but generosity flows through you. And it doesn't have to be this great, big, huge thing, because we think generosity is like, oh, that's beyond me. I don't really have, I can barely get my bills paid. Generosity that flows through, it's anything that flows to you and then through you. It could be a dollar, it could be a quarter, it could not even be money. It could be, you know, a bag of chips. It could be something simple. Because I don't want the story of my life to be, God, 100% of what you provided, I used for me and mine. I want my story of my life to be, God, what you provided for me, I was able to let it flow through me and let others, have, let others be blessed as well. If you had <laughs> this question... God, when I go grocery shopping, and, and Zach's seen it because he works at Walmart, it takes me like two trips with two big buggies because I go every every two weeks when I get a paycheck, and since the our Shelly's working and stuff, so it's on to me to buy the groceries. So I'll go and I got to pick up you know one load, take it out, put it in the car. Obviously, no no produce or cold stuff in the first load, and then the second load, and it's like two bu- bag, buggies full. And so the lady asked me, "Are you buying this for our business?" And I said, no, actually, it's, you know, we're a family of five. My wife and I have three sons, so there's a lot of groceries. Plus, we have, you know, the folks from our church, young people, and, and you know, some college, college students that, that come. And we, we always have food that we want to just, you know, we want to have food available. When and she's like, oh, I, I bet they appreciate it. You know what? I'm just blessed to be able to do it. There's been, trust me, there's been times in my life <laughs> that I like, I could not do that. I could not say, come on over and have lunch on Sundays because I ain't got nothing to feed you. Yeah. I don't. But now I'm blessed that, God, that God's make this available. So we want to flow through to others. 
The question is, do you have your money or does your money have you? Are you focused on the values of this world, the material world, or the values of God, the eternal things? And what does God value? People. God values people. And that's where it comes down to us. People in every walk of life, God values, regardless of skin color, background, you know, whether they're right with God or not, God values people. And he loves every one of us. And he values you and he loves you. And God values people who are in desperate need. Valuing people means listening. It means understanding. And as you can, meeting their needs. God doesn't say, oh, I'm mad at you because you can't help them. God says, as you can meet a need, meet the need. And when you can't, you know what? Trust me. I'm going to send somebody else. And God does. Sharing the love of Jesus with others means that what flows to you then flows through you. So next steps. I'm going to give you three words. And you can take these, all of them, one of them or none. But these are words that have worked and are, do work for me when it comes to finances. So next steps when it comes to facing this money monster. One is deny. Deny. Make a decision not to buy something, to deny yourself that thing, something that, that you want, not a necessity necessarily. And one thing I've learned I can deny, and I've done this, I do that, don't do it all the time, but I do it frequently, is I will deny myself if I'm going to spend $5 for lunch, Monday through Friday, I'll skip lunch, take that $5, and I've got $25 to give to somebody who's in need of something more than my you know, Burger King or Dairy Queen. You know, it's... it's, it's that's, that's what I'm talking about. Deny so that you can bless somebody else. Decide we're going to live differently. Just a little bit differently. Delay. That's the second word is delay. In other words, you can make it less for now. Like delay something. Something that you really want. This is tough for spenders. I get it. And for savers, it's like, oh, yeah, we always delay. <laughs> and then when, when we got the money, you know what? Let's just delay it again. Just keep delaying. But delay. It's tough for us to, who are spenders. But make it less for now. And don't give in to the need for instant gratification. That's tough, I know, because I've got it too. But all I've learned is if I see something, I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to get that. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to, hold on, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait, and I'll see. If I still, if, you know, if I come back on Friday, I'll get that. And I'll come back on Friday, and I'm like, I don't even have, I didn't want that. I would have spent that money on that thing that within two days I would have been totally, like, bored with. And I would spent that money on it. And there it was sitting there, going in the trash or garage sale or something. But I, did, but I delayed. So I was able to, to, to not uh, you know, overspend. Delay something that you want till tomorrow. Maybe you can bless somebody else today. Maybe you can say, you know what, instead of buying that, I want to put $5 in, the, in this bucket over here. Or divert. That's the other one. Divert. That's the third word. Make a budget and then decide... You know what? I'm gonna take this money. I'm gonna divert it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna instead of these dollars, don't take your, you know, your your light bill, or your phone bill, or your student loan bill, and divert that to, you know, PlayStation. Don't do that. You know, maybe divert the other one. You know, I was gonna get a PlayStation, but I really got to get this this bill paid. Maybe you divert or delay getting the PlayStation, and you divert it over here. But I'm saying is, I'm gonna take these dollars. I'm gonna direct them somewhere else. I'm gonna divert this because this is what I feel like God wants me to do. And this is between you and God. You know, pray, God, what would you have me do with this? And trust him. Trust him. So what do you need to do? What do you need to think or feel so that money flows, that flows to you, then also flows through you?
And as that happens, as we become more like Jesus, people of radical generosity, that money monster will be taken out step by step, piece by piece. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for your word that comes to us and encourages us and equips us. This, even this very strange parable that we read that this sometimes, Lord, this is one of those ones that man, it's hard to make the connection looking at um, a business manager who was wasteful and then actually cheated his, his boss out of some income and how this was used as a story. But Lord, it was used there to say, to, to think about the future, to think about eternity, to, to get our minds off of, of the, the things that we have right here, right now, so that we can focus on the things that are eternal. Because, Lord, you promised us, and Jesus, we read the words, that, uh, you know, seek first the kingdom of God, and you will provide all these other things for us. The things that we stress about because we don't have enough money. The things that we worry about because we don't have enough money. Lord, you want us to take all the stress and worry. The thing is, you want to take the stress and the worry, and you want to give us peace. So, Lord, make us more like you. Make us make a wicked church, Lord, a, a, a church that is radically generous. That we find ways, even when we don't have money, we find ways to share, to give. So whatever flows to will flow through. And that others would find blessing in the presence of God and healing. And most of all, salvation in Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. It's our hope that you have been encouraged by today's message. Find out more about Awaken Church at awakenla.church or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AwakenChurchLA.